0: So this is a, a Labor Day weekend, and as, as hopefully you know this, and I have to confess to you, how many of y'all are, are I don't know how many of y'all are here. how many of y'all are Jimmy Buffett fans? So you know the live album on Jimmy Buffett, you know it's Labor Day weekend, so I keep hearing Jimmy Buffett in my head, so <laughs> this could be a problem. so <laughs> it's not conducive to concentrating, you know, right? I mean, you, you kind of, oh yeah, Jimmy Buffett, OK, uh, so anyway um, <clears throat> So, you know, Labor Day, uh, for those of you just, just briefly, um, the, the, the origins of Labor Day, it, it became a holiday in 1894, it goes back a ways, and uh, it did that after um, several major uh, conflicts between the labor unions and the employers, and uh, after the Pullman strike uh, was the kind of the last one, in which uh, actually things became violent and people were, were killed, uh, and so uh, it was an attempt to bring some reconciliation between the labor movement and uh, an industry uh, is what it was originally about, and we've kind of lost that connection with it now. You know, most time now, you know, Labor Day is just a day that we get off, and so you know, people kind of don't think about it much. And and uh, so I, I want to play a little bit with it this morning because I think we've lost some of the uh, understanding of Christian understanding of what labor is about. Uh, years ago, uh, my district superintendent in Corpus Christi, and I can't remember what the setting was, but he made some comment about something or another. And, and I said, I'm sorry, I can't be there because I'm working that day because I had things at the church I was doing that day. And he made the comment back. He says, oh, in the church, we don't have to work. We just get to serve the Lord. Now, you know, my first, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit of a cynic. So, you know, my first response was kind of go, <coughs> but, 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 but then what bothered me was the idea that somehow or another, that, that somehow or another work was not okay. You know, there was a, a negative kind of connotation or inference there about the value of work. Um, and, and so that really kind of bothered me, and it took me a long time to kind of put that together. So I want to play with that uh, with, with you some this morning, because uh, in, my, in my background and my upbringing, uh, work is a noble and a good thing. Uh, so I want to unpack that a little bit this morning and talk about a theology of labor with you. Uh, let's pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to go back first to, uh, to, to Genesis, just remind you that, you know, in the beginning, you know, God worked. Uh, and, and he gets to the point where things are finished. And, and I want to stop because you all want to go to the, to the day off on this. And I, I'm just going to say, we're going to get to the day off, but that's not today. The day is one work. Uh, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. Now, I know, you know, we don't think of God as working, and, and certainly not in the sense that, that we do. Uh, but when God speaks, you know, uh, the word goes forth and it becomes reality. And so there's, there is an agency in what God does. God is creating. God is making. God is constantly in an ongoing sense, uh, in, in this labor of, of work of creation of the life that we live in. And that's recognized in the, in the early Scripture that, you know, God, God works in the creation. God is at work. Uh, and, and then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. So the Lord God creates us to be workers with Him in doing this. So God creates all of this and then He puts us in it to till it and to keep it. And, and we're called to be ongoing co-workers or co-laborers with God in this great work of love that God is about. Uh, and, and so work for us is, is part of joining together in this labor of love with God that continues. So there's this kind of a, an overarching kind of understanding that, that work is this noble kind of thing uh, that, that even God enters into it. And then in Proverbs you get kind of the, the specific things that a lot of us are used to hearing about. And a lot of these you're going to know by heart. And, uh, of course, if you grew up with my grandmother, you'd know them better, but that's okay. Um, because my grandmother used to like to quote these to me. Uh, you know, Proverbs 6, you know, go to the ant, you lazy bones, consider its ways and be wise. Without having any chief or officer or ruler, it prepares its food in summer and gathers its sustenance and harvest. Uh, Proverbs 12, uh, those who till their land will have plenty of food, but those who follow worthless pursuits have no sense. And, and one presumes no food. Uh, proverbs 14 in all toil there is profit but mere talk leads only to poverty and that was one of my grandmother's favorites because i was kind of a mouthy teenager you know and so i'd mouth off and then she'd say you know in all toil there's profit but mere talk leads only to poverty and i'd go thanks a lot uh but but you know the the reality of that the understanding of that and and these formed kind of the part of the basis of what we think about as the protestant work ethic uh, and, and we 'll talk about a little bit more about that in a couple of weeks, but but you know the, the Protestant work ethic obviously can go too far uh, and get out of control, but but there is a value in it um, that historically sometimes we don 't always recognize uh, but, but there is a value in this understanding that that when culture values work that those cultures tend to be more productive. Uh, Harvard did a, a study where they went back and they looked at uh, uh, development projects over the last 50 years and so they they reviewed all of these and they'd studied them and and were looking at them worldwide and and what they found was in in those projects where what we would think of as the protestant work ethic where that was part of the project and it was taught to people uh, those projects resulted in an increase in income and, and an improvement in life and lifestyle uh, in those projects where that was not part of the plan uh, they tended to result just in dependency and the handout and so there there is a value in this and understanding that that there is a value in working and providing for yourself and those around you and that kind of brings you to this first little picture I want to give Uh, these are different ways of thinking about work they come out of Robert Lewis's work on a quest for authentic manhood Uh, and so the first way of understanding work is to think about it as paycheck driven Uh, and and I'd say this is where a lot of us are but but I understand that all of these build on each other they don't As we move forward, you know, it doesn't mean that the first one no longer applies. It's just that there's additional understandings. Uh, And so this is paycheck driven, you know, and, and I work because I want to meet my needs and the needs of my family. You know, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Or I work because I have to. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule: the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now I'm I'm going to say a little bit about the the church in Thessalonica Uh, when Paul is writing to this uh, to them. The church in Thessalonica was convinced that Jesus was coming back. You know, like really soon, like you know, like next Saturday, uh, Jesus is going to show up, and so they had this tendency. You know, we well, we'll just sit here on the porch. And, and wait, you know, why should we go out and do anything? Because, you know, Jesus is going to show up next Saturday. And, and Paul put up with that for a while until, you know, people in the community began to die. And then when people begin to die and they just kind of would pull the sheets on them and leave them there because, you know, Jesus is coming next Saturday. It, it, Paul kind of said, okay, listen, guys, wait, <laughs> you're taking this too far. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's not next Saturday, maybe it's next month, you know, we need to do something here. Uh, and so he, he had to come back to them and encourage them to be a little more industrious uh, but this is kind of this understanding that you, know, you work because you, you have to, because you have needs that you need to meet, you need to pay for these things, and this is important. Uh, this is probably the first understanding most of us have about what we're doing to work. Uh, we work to get our paychecks, and, and probably what we all start with. Uh, I started this uh, when I was 14, and my parents said, you know what, uh, if you want to go to college, you better start figuring out how you're going to pay for it. So I, I started working when I was 14 years old, started working part-time, I started working full-time when I was 16, because... That, that was what was necessary. It was what you had to do. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with this. This is okay. And, and it's important to be able to support ourselves because in supporting ourselves, we have a sense of, of independence uh, and we develop a sense of self, being able to take care of ourselves and, and kind of being adults in the world, if you will. Um, one of the things we run into when we have people who are in our job support group or folks that are self-employed for long periods of time is uh, they begin to lose their sense of self worth because you know uh, people are having to take care of me and I'm not able to pull my own weight and they begin to have doubts about their value and their self worth in the midst of the world. Uh, it, it's important to understand this and and to hold to this and this sense of I you know I am I am not asking anybody to, to you know pull my weight for me. I'm able to do it and I'm able to provide for my myself and for my family. Now it's negative if, if that's all we understand we never begin to understand any more than that so that our work just becomes uh, really just in exchange for the money it's easy to become uh, kind of negative and, and cynical about the work you do and and that's really reflected well because we have all those those great country western songs right about working and that famous one by johnny paycheck right take this job and yeah y'all said that yeah uh so so yeah so you know i mean it can become a negative if that's as far as you go but i want you to hear that there is nothing wrong with with having a job just just to make sure that you pay your bills and support yourself that that's a good and honorable thing and it's understood that way beyond that uh lewis says the next step is what he calls passion driven which is because i desire to accomplish something meaningful to me uh, and he quotes Ecclesiastes, you know, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, or because I desire to have a certain standard of living. Uh, and then t- he says, you know, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. Now, I want to say that that last one, Ecclesiastes is not talking about folks who have an excessive standard of living, you know, and they're not talking about, you know, having more than you know what to do with what they're talking about is having enough to live comfortably or to live well you know and be able to take care of yourself that there's nothing wrong with wanting to be able to live at that level and there's nothing wrong about being able to understand that your job is is important and your job contributes um When I worked for HEB, um, I I had to go in on Christmas Day, usually at 4 o'clock in the afternoon uh, because the trucks rolled at night, so uh, I went on shift at 4 o'clock on Christmas Day. And and one year, they called me, and I went in to work at 4 and found out that I was going to have to haul a tractor. That's the front part of a big rig that has the motor in it. That's the the front of the truck. That's the tractor, and then you have the trailer. Uh, I had to haul a tractor down to Harlingen, Texas, where one had uh, broken down and then I was going to have to haul that one back up to Corpus Christi. Now, anybody ever driven that road from Corpus to Harlingen through the King Ranch? Boy, isn't that exciting? It's a long straight road through a lot of nothing. Uh, I mean, it's really, it's pretty grim. And so, you know, here I am on Christmas Day in the afternoon and realizing that, you know, in a couple of hours now, after dark, I'm going to be hauling this truck down to Harlingen and then back, and I was not real happy about it, and I was letting them know that I was not real happy about having to do this on Christmas Day, where I was going to have to drive all that road down there in the dark, and blah, 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 and, and, and my supervisor, <clears throat> a man by the name of Manuel Benavides, uh, finally says, well he says, stop, he says, let me ask you, let me ask you a question, do you have any, anybody at your house this year for Christmas, and I said, well, yeah, I'm going to our, our aunts and uncles and some of our cousins are with us he says yeah he says are are they going to eat tomorrow and and I said yeah I'm sure we're gonna you know we had a big meal today we'll have a big meal tomorrow and I said was well, it possible that y'all will have to go to the grocery store tomorrow and, and buy more groceries And I'm going oh yeah probably the way we eat and and he goes well he says uh, how do you suppose all those groceries are going to get to the store I said well they're 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 going to be going there on the trucks tonight Hmm, so if you don't take this down there, that means somebody down in Harlingen's, they're not going to be able to go to the store tomorrow, aren't they? Okay, yeah, all right, I get it. But, but, but it began to reframe my understanding because, you know, all I was thinking about was how inconvenient this was for me. But the truth is what I was doing was enabling HEB to have food on the shelves tomorrow so that people would have food on their tables, Right? and that's important and most of our jobs have that element to them I mean it contributes to our society in one way or another you're providing some service that is going to be valuable to someone in one way or another and to begin to reframe your job and understand oh you know sometimes tilling and keeping the garden is is just kind of doing the grunt work it takes you know somebody's got to pull the weeds and do all that stuff but it contributes to the well-being of the community and of the society. And, and, and to this day, I still have a special warm place in my heart for H-E-B Grocery Company. Uh, you know, you know, they, they enabled me to go to college, uh, and uh, their employment did that, and, and to seminary. And so uh, I owe them a great debt of gratitude. And, uh, and we still like to shop there. And, you know, anybody, if you've ever lived out of the area where they don't have HEBs, right? You come home, isn't it wonderful? yeah. I mean, H-E-B does a great job, and they do a really fine job with what they do, and my son is so thrilled that they're back in South Texas again now, where, the, where there's an H-E-B store just around the corner from where they live, uh, so I have a great uh, warm heart because, you know, they put food on a lot of tables across South Texas, uh, but it's, it's something that we do, and understand that our work has purpose to it. Uh, whatever it is, our work has purpose to it, and, and sometimes it's really obvious You know, if you have a bunch of people at your house sometime and your sewer backs up, right, when you call that plumber, yeah, that guy, man, I mean, or that woman that shows up, boy, they are, you really bless them, don't you, right? I mean, there's sometimes it's really obvious, but there's other times that what we do is less obvious, but contributes nonetheless to society. And so to understand that that our work has meaning and purpose, uh, that it's meaningful because it contributes to the welfare of the society. Next beyond that, he talks about uh, uh, our work being philanthropy-driven uh, because I can earn money that I can give to help others, and he's uh, quoting Ephesians. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need, or because I seek to do something through my work that is helpful and of service to others. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace grace in its various forms, to understand that that what we do, the work, uh, provides the the means financially for us to help other folks around us, but it also gives us a skill set that we can use to help other people around us. You know, in in any given community, at any given time, there are folks that for one reason or another are going to be in a hard place. Uh, They've lost employment or someone's ill or there's been a death or whatever, but there's people that, that are going to be in a hard place and they need our assistance. They're going to need help because that's what communities do. And so, so to understand that philanthropy-driven is to understand that your work gives you the ability to respond to that. Uh, it gives you the ability to respond financially uh, to different people's needs and, and provide funding for different kinds of things, but also to share your skills and your abilities. Um, the language that we use when we talk about work, you know, um, your vocation, you know, that word vocation literally means your calling, uh, what you're called to do, or your profession, that which you speak to. Uh, these, these are things that, that give you the opportunity to serve God with others around you. Um, you know, uh, some of our professional kinds of things we're very familiar with. Uh, teachers uh, will, will at times offer their skills to tutor students who can't afford uh, to do that so that they can catch up and get back up to speed and and, uh, and learn what they need to learn. Uh, medical people will give themselves to do uh, different kinds of medical mission things, either locally or internationally or wherever, and, and serve people. Lawyers do pro bono work. Matter of fact, you all are Larry, aren't y'all required to do a certain amount of pro bono work where you help folks out, uh, you know, professionally and use those skills. So, we, you know, we have those kinds of things. But, but even, you know, just regular skills that a lot of us carry around. Uh, there's a ministry up here in... Uh, uh, on 183, where uh, they work on folks' cars for people that can't uh, afford to fix their car. So, guys that are mechanics during the week and make their living that way, they go up on the weekend and they donate their time and their skill uh, to get somebody's car running for them. So, it, it's a way for us to serve uh, and, and to help other people. Uh, Wesley talking about money, he talked about earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. And he put some qualifiers around that. You know, of course, you know, earn all you can, you know, do it legally. And and in a way that doesn't harm somebody. So, you know, selling drugs here is not what he's talking about. He's he's being, I'm talking about honest work and and doing it well and and proper work. Uh, But but earn what you can, you know, save all you can. And again, he puts some qualifiers on there. Uh, Don't be so intent on hoarding all your money that you're, you know, denying yourself or denying your family and uh, what they need. And then he talks about giving all you can. And again, within, you know, rational limits, you know, don't give away all your money and let your family starve to death. But but he's talking about, you know, understand that part of working is to put yourself in a position where you are able to help other people. Uh, and most of us understand that at some level, uh, you know, we give, uh, most Americans give somewhere around 1%, 1.5% uh, to, to different charitable kinds of causes. And most of us can give substantially more than that uh, and actually be just fine. Uh, because we have the highest level of disposable income of any country on the face of the earth. But nonetheless, you know, whatever we're doing, you know, it, our work is what allows us or gives us the means to do that for someone else. Uh, so philanthropy-driven. And then uh, Lewis says, you know, if you understand, if you go from paycheck to passion of philanthropy, uh, the last box, he says, is understand that you'd be purpose-driven in your work. And understand that I work because I can serve and glorify God in my work and spiritually impact people. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving, which kind of to me reminds me of Jesus in Matthew 25, you know, as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And because I can earn money that I can give to advance God's kingdom, you know, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, this, this understanding that actually my, my work can be part of a ministry. You know, whatever it is, not not just the kind of formal stuff that we do here in the church, but whatever you do during the week, is an opportunity for you to serve God. Uh, Brother Lawrence, uh, left a wealthy family and went into the monastery. And uh, if you read his history, uh, he was convicted that he needed to offer up everything he did to God so uh, they started him off as they did a lot of the the monks back then in the kitchen you know and he washed the pots and pans and mopped the floors and did stuff and so before he'd mop the floor he'd say you know Lord you know let me do this task to your honor and glory and then he'd mop the floor and when he got done then he'd pray again he said Lord I want to offer this you know clean floor up to you as uh, to your honor and glory and if there's a way for me to do it better I want you to show me how to do that. And so he just began to pray over every task that he did in that way. And over the years, his his spirituality and the depth of his faith became so evident that not only the other monks came to him, but people from all over Europe came to find out what his secret was. And his secret was just simple. He took every task that he did, and he did it to the honor and glory of God and offered it up to God, whatever it was. It doesn't have to be something amazing, something astounding. It can be simple kinds of things. But God gives us a chance to be working with him in the garden, to be working with him in the labor of love on the face of the earth. And and no matter what you do, to use your work as an avenue to share the gospel and how you do it and the way in which you relate to people and the witness that you share with people. I mean, everything we do can witness to God. And be part of God's labor of love. So, uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we want to think about just big grand things. But, but, but let me remind you that, you know, if all of us do just little things, you know, amazing things can happen. So, so how many of you in here sponsor a child in Africa? Okay, so just look around the room, y'all. God, see, okay, so, you know, a number of us do. And, and it's, uh, I think it's $39 or $40 a month, something like that, that, that they ask you to do. It's You know, it's not a, it's not a humongous amount of money. Uh, And and so we send that money in every month and and all. Well, we've been going over there since 2012 to see um, the progress in that project. And when we went in 2012 for the first time, uh, we went to a school uh, called Kivaiwa School, and uh, it's one of the larger schools there. It had about 600 students, I think, at that point in time, and, and the place was just kind of a wreck. You know, the buildings were in, in bad repair, and uh, the kids sat on wooden benches, and most, a lot of them were busted up, and uh, they had no school supplies, and they didn't have uniforms, and, and you know, they just kind of used the bushes over there for the bathroom and, and all, and so, uh, so this is one of the schools that, we, uh, the, that the, the project took on to work with. And, uh, and so we watched over the years as you know, they built uh, hygienic latrines and they put in hand washing stations and they begin to uh, repair the buildings that were there in place. And, and first they added a wing over here and then they added another wing over there and then they added this long wing back here of classrooms. And so we, we go this year and we, we pull up to Kavaiwa School, which now is kind of makes kind of a quadrangle. Uh, and, and, and all these buildings are in good repair. Uh, They have a big solar complex there. Um, They're all painted. They have windows in them. uh, They have desks and chairs in all of them. They have video projection that they're using to teach Kiswahili in one of the classrooms and other uh, video equipment in the other classrooms, all this kind of thing. The kids all have on uniforms. They all have school supplies. And there are 1,000 students, grades 1 to 6 in this school. There are 1,000 students. Students, So we pull up, and this sea of kids in blue uniforms comes out to meet us. And, of course, you know, the first thought I'm having is, we do not have enough candy. Uh, but, but, I mean, it's just amazing because, you know, remembering what this looked like, before and now, to see you know almost twice the number of kids in this school that's been built and equipped and fixed up, and they have supplies and they have uniforms and they're there and they're learning and they walk us in and they set us on the front porch of the building, and then they begin to go through kind of the welcoming uh, that they had prepared for us, all of us from World Vision that were there, and uh, and this is one classroom of students. <laughs> So so if you raised your hand, what you need to know is is half of those kids would not be there. They wouldn't have uniforms. They wouldn't have supplies. They wouldn't have a school to go to. But if you raised your hand, that little bit you send in, you you help make that possible. You help make that possible. And if all of God's people all around the world would, would lean into that and own that and understand that ability that God has called us into this this work that he's doing, what kind of amazing things could happen? So I I want you to hear that, you know, as you go out for Labor Day, that, you know, God's invited us into this. I mean, he's given us this opportunity. Whatever you do, whatever you do, God's given us the opportunity to be part of God's ongoing labor of love on the face of the world, to be part of God's ongoing work of loving grace let's pray mighty father we give you thanks that, that you you give us this opportunity uh, to, to, to be part of what you're doing on the face of the earth and we come and we confess to you that there are those days that we want to complain and, and whine and and we resent having to go to work but but we ask especially on those days uh, that you open our hearts uh, our minds our spirits uh, to, to see how it is that, that we can take whatever it is we're doing and, and offer it up to you, that it can become part of, of your labor of, of love on the face of this earth, um, that, that the work of our hands and hearts and minds can be part of your work of grace. Uh, we ask you to open us to that and to see, be, enable us to see it. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.